It's been exactly three years since we started our book study in the book of Acts, and today is our final day. Can I get a witness, right? It's been a joy to be uh, in the journey of faith with you guys, but for the last three years, verse by verse, we've been walking through the book of Acts. We are an expositional church, meaning we love books of the Bible, and we love studying verse by verse so that a couple things happen. When you study together in the books of the Bible, number one, you can journey together. You understand context. But also, number two, you have, to, you have to share on every theological doctrine. You cannot choose and pick on Sundays what topics you want to preach, what doctrines you want to preach. When you stick to books of the Bible, it's so um, rewarding to, to preach the word for the word. So we say here that if we want Scripture to be real in our lives, uh, Scripture must interpret, help me out, Scripture. My opinions is not enough. Our feelings are not enough. Our experiences, how we was raised, they're, they're not enough. Though they're, they're awesome things, but they're secondary issues and not primary issues. Ultimately, our relationship with God is completely sold on the Word of God. We believe it's more than just man writing it down, but God literally inspired man. He breathed in man, just like how he breathed in Adam. He breathed life to man to share his life. So our study will end in the chapter 28 of the book of Acts. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? If you don't have a copy, I would encourage you to have a copy moving forward. We are a biblical church. We want to make sure we understand as we know Christ, it's going to be through his word. If not, you can look on the screen and we can go from there. But basically, Paul, uh, it's going to be a weird situation because it's one of those to be continued situations, but we never know what happens in scripture. We learn from secular history what happens to Paul after these, uh, these notes. But Paul is coming off from a major healing operation, right? Last week, we learned that he was on the island of, anybody remember the name of the island? Malta, all right? Malta. And there he, re, uh, he saw natives, and natives greeted them and uh, by serving with making fire for the crew. The natives, he helped the natives get branches. He was bitten by a snake. <laughs> and then the snake did not harm him. The natives were surprised by what went on. Therefore, he thought, number one, either he was a murderer or number two, he was God because he wasn't struck and did. Therefore, uh, Paul became this, this segue of the gospel, this alleyway to the gospel. And what we see is that Paul ends up healing majority of the sick, all the sickness that was on the island, specifically an older man who was related to the leader of the island named Publis, and Publis would become the first Christian on the island of Malta, and Malta would, the natives there would become believers in Jesus, amen? And so Paul is on his way to appeal to Caesar. And we said this in our text last week, the, the book of Acts, the theme Yes, it, it was the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit came, healings, miracles, uh, persecution happened. But the theme of, uh, of, of Acts is the kingdom of God. And we define the kingdom of God in this way, that the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. Can I get a witness, right? Read that statement with me. One, two, three. God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. Now we got it on the screen. Let's say it loud like we believe it and we was all here last Sunday. Ho'omaokaokao. Say one, two, three. God, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity 
in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. And that's what Paul is expressing. Paul is in right fellowship with God, and he's on mission in the world in advancing, not Paul, but advancing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are spiritually dead, and they need to know that, and they need to know that life comes from Christ alone. So we wrap up our series entitled The Kingdom of God by reading our text, beginning from the island of Malta. It starts off in verse 11, and it says, after how many months? We set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship from Alexandria with the twin gods as a figure. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit, arrived at Regium, and after one day a south wind sprang up. And on the second day we came to Porto Ili. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to, help me out, Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as a form of Ampius and three taverns to meet us on seeing them. Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. Remember, he's a prisoner about to appeal to Caesar. Verse 17, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our father in Jerusalem, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and ask and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to Paul, we have received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For the regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him, and at his lodging in greater number, from morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to, to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others, help me out, disbelieved. And disagreeing among, disagreeing among themselves, they departed after people and made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, this is Isaiah chapter 6, go to this people and say you will indeed hear but never what? Understand. And you will indeed see but never what? Perceive. For this people hears Ear, people's heart have grown dull, and with their ears they had barely hear, and their eyes can have closed, has been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, therefore, because everything we just read, guys, let it be known to you that the salvation of God 
has been sent to the Gentiles, they will, they will listen. He lived there. Where? In Rome. He lived in Rome for two whole years at his own, help me out, expense. And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the what? Kingdom of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. God, many of us in this room may come from church backgrounds. And so we have an expectation of what to expect this morning. And sometimes those expectations is not your expectation. So God, I pray that you would clear minds and you would clear hearts that we would receive from your word. Help us to look in your text, this long verses, and help us to identify through the power of your spirit what it means, Lord, to be a part of your kingdom activity. We love you, and God's Ohana says, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's football season. This past week, we had our first scrimmage, and, and here's the joy about being a part of football programs, all right? Uh, if you have any ego issue, football is where you got to go right? Because it will either make your ego go further or it will humble you, right? And let me tell you, I have been more humiliated as a player and as a coach more than ever, right? And here's the joy about football. It teaches life lessons, but it builds relationships that allows us to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so good. I've hardly been a part of the program this year just because the church is uh, is exploding. We're on a different season of life. And so I'm still there maybe once a week as much as I can. But I went through the scrimmage and the joy of seeing people say, Kahu, where you been? Kahu, we need you back. You know, that was encouragement because more than football, there's a relationship, right? And I want to tag that in with the gospel, the church life. The church life is more than just coming on a Sunday. The church life is about belonging together. Like, like we, we miss when people aren't belonging. When people, we have people through seasons, whatever it is, they, we won't see them for a while. We'll try to reach out to them by any means, but we won't see them for a while. Then we finally see them, and that's what the gospel does. The gospel allows us to just build genuine relationships. If you think that Christianity is about what you do for God, you've missed out on the totality of the gospel. God does not need us. God does not need you. But in God's sovereign grace, he has elected us to be a part of his work. And that's what Paul is understanding. Paul understands that being a part of God's kingdom activity has nothing to do with what we bring to the table, but what his, done, or has already, what his son has already done on the table we call the cross, right? And so what we get to do is we get to be a part of this organic, growing gospel relationship that allows us to know God, know each other, and know the world. And the way we advance the gospel is simply this, being gospel-centered, being gospel-centered. In fact, we are, uh, we are part of a, a uh, coalition called the Gospel Coalition of Hawaii. And here's the heart of the Gospel Coalition. We are a fellowship of evangelical churches in the Reformed tradition, deeply committed to renewing our faith in the gospel of Christ and to reforming our ministry practices to confirm fully to the scriptures. We don't want to hide it from you. We've said it for the last two years. We're uh, boldly that we lean more to a reformed theological spectrum. Now, what we're saying, we're not saying that you have to be a five-point Calvinist. We're not saying that. We're talking about the difference between monergism and synergism, meaning monergism meaning that God alone saved. Can I get a witness? Synergism says that we help God to save ourselves. We don't believe that. We believe 100% that God it saves people, period. 
All right? The fact that he would even give us faith to trust in his name, to believe in him, to repent, all comes from a gospel understanding of a historical reform view. And so I want to share with you, I don't want you guys to get surprised. At the same time, if you're not there yet, praise God. Okay? The journey of the gospel is that it, it's a journey. And that you never have to always label yourself as a Arminius, a Calvinist, a Baptist, a Pentecostal, whatever the case. If you are a follower of Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, through scripture alone, through God's glory alone, that's good enough for us. Can I get a witness in there, right? We're growing organically through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the way we, we express, you know, who we are in Christ is through core values. So here's a reality truth for all of us. Core values are something we experience before it's something we share. I want you to hear that real close, okay? I want to say it again, and I want you to dig down deep in this statement because it's very gospel-centered. Core values are something we experience before it's something shared. Like, in order for us to uh, share the gospel, we must what? experience the gospel, not just in a feel-good, fluffy way, but we need to experience conviction. Can I get a witness? Like, we need to groan over our sin nature. Uh, Peter said it best after he denied Christ three times. He said that he, he wept bitterly. When you came faith to, faith to Christ, one of the, the measurements of true believers is you weeping over your sinful nature. Why? Because it's sin that, that separates us from a holy God. And, but it's, it's Jesus that connects us with, with God, who Jesus is God in the flesh. And what we get to do is we get to live up through the power of the Holy Spirit, the living word. So I want to go on, continue on. And here's four things we see in our text. I want to exegete our text and be honest about it, but it's so awesome what God's done. This is how sovereign God is, all right? Before we even got to chapter 28, all right? We had core values for the last year or something. We renewed our core values. We, we didn't exegete the text yet, chapter 28. We just knew that God gave us these core values that allowed us to experience the gospel in a tangible way. And lo and behold, the last sermon of the book of Acts for our church, we get to explain our core values because that's what our verses express today. Amen? Remember, you have to experience these values before you can share them. So as we have experienced them already, you may know of them, but you may not be able to articulate it. I want to articulate it for you. Here's four uh, core values we see in our text today. Number one, gospel dependence. Say it with me. One, two, three. Gospel dependence. Paul was dependent on Jesus. Can I get a witness? Like, in your life, are you dependent on Christ? Now, you can evaluate that based on you, how you handle situations. If there's an issue you got yourself into, the normal thing to do is to what that issue? Fix it. Fix the issue, right? The problem with trying to fix the issue right away is that you lack gospel dependence. Another thing that you may do, you may be like Jonah. You'd be the opposite. You what with the issue? You run. You run away. Some of you aren't confrontational. Some of you are non-confrontational. Therefore, it's easy to run away. And both spectrums lack gospel dependence. 
a desperation for the Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about because you came in church this morning and you heard some Google Gaga music that made you feel good about yourself and you wanted to express. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a daily renewal in the gospel where it causes you to be completely dependent on Jesus. Are you dependent on Jesus? From chapters 22 of Acts to chapter 28 of Acts, we see Paul's main mission is to get to Rome. I mean, chapter 22 to now, we see Paul's, uh, Paul's main role is to get to Rome. And the way he gets to Rome is through prison. We had some brothers in Israel that was coming against him for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did not like that. Therefore, they imprisoned him. They beat him. And right before the Jews almost killed him, the Roman guards got a hold of Paul and were able to secure Paul for the next three years. He was imprisoned for two and a half to three years and four times. In those three years in Caesarea, he got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that should challenge you, right? I know we're reformed and all that, but man, I feel like I have to be saved all over again when I didn't read chapters 22 to 28, because Paul is so committed to Christ. When we look at our lives, are we committed to the Lord? We don't want to use that word commitment, right? But the reality is, it is true. When God has so much committed his life to us, our response is commitment. You guys heard what I just said? Not when we commit ourselves to God. That's a synergism uh, theology. No, when God commits his life to us, then we experience true devotion back to him. Why? Because he does the work we cannot do. We're incapable of doing. It's not a robotic faith. It's true love. But evangelicals in America have made this gospel all about us and not God. He's the beginning. He is the end. He is the resurrected. He is the life. He is the creator. He's the great physician. He's the God that knows. He's the God that sees. He's the God. Elohim. Jehovah, Yahweh, Adonai, he is God. Therefore, we need to be dependent on God. God, I'm not doing well in my finances. Perfect opportunity to be desperate. God, I'm not doing well in my relationship. Perfect opportunity to be desperate for him. God, I'm just not doing well at all. Perfect opportunity. We can even flip the script and say, God, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm doing all that. That's more than ever you need God. Because this is what the gospel, the true gospel does. It reminds us where we came from. I grew up in the homestead. And I was on Pilau Baga. Okay? That reminds me, the gospel reminds me who I was before Christ. My dad was a kahu. I grew up in the church. I got high and drunk Friday, Saturday night, Sunday morning at 12 years old. I played the ukulele in my dad's Pentecostal church. And them not even knowing what's going on in my life. That reminds me, the gospel reminds me who I was, but also the gospel reminds me who I am today, and I am in need of Jesus. We are in need of Jesus. Acts 23 says it this way about Paul's uh, journey to Rome. He says, following the night, the night of his beating, the night of his betrayal, the night of him being thrown in jail, he said, following that night, the Lord stood by him, by Paul, and said what? Take what? Courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, hear it, hear it out. So you must testify also where? In Rome. 
Paul says the way the gospel is going to get to Rome, Paul, is through your suffering. Your suffering will reveal Jesus Christ's suffering. We say this way, that people think that because Christ has suffered, we don't have to suffer anymore. He paid the consequence of sin. And though that is true, that does not, ex- that does not take you away from true suffering. It just reminds us that if God is faithful in his suffering, him through us is faithful in our suffering. That's the joy of the gospel. I want you to feel that. I want you to sense that. Not just because it's an emotional thing, or I'm very passionate today. It's because the truth says that the gospel is real. That's the reality. And so so we see a couple things in this text. This is what it means to be dependent on Jesus. Number one, we see a deep supplication. In our whole text, we see deep supplication. I think he said that Paul prayed. Paul thanked God in our Acts chapter 28 part today. It also says that the second thing that we need to understand, we need to be deep in study. Paul quotes Isaiah in our text today. If he wasn't in deep study in Isaiah, he would have not known how to handle anything because he would do things on his own accord rather than be desperate for God. Through prayer, supplication, through deep study. And so here's the deal. Are you dependent on God? Are you desperate for God? It's easy to be in America and we get everything. We have even welfare here. Most nations that I've been to don't have welfare. And so they, they, they're desperate. They don't know that God exists. And so therefore we as mission teams, we come there and we partner with organizations to help them know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And listen to me. Our dependence is revealed through our supplication and our study. How, how do we measure our dependence on Christ? Well, are you in supplication? Are you praying? Are you on your knees? And not just because Kahu told you so, but the Spirit of God is in you, and you're desperate for God. Are you in supplication? Are you in study? Are, how, how can you say you can't hear from God, right? You're saying you're complaining you don't hear from God, but you're never in his word. That's just hard. We can't be desperate for God, you know, when we're apart from God in supplication and in study. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? Prayer and what? Supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Think about Paul's situation. He's in prison writing this letter, and he's making known the glory of Christ through supplication and prayer. Psalms 145, 18 says this, The Lord is near to all who what? Call on him. To all who call on him in what? Truth. What does that mean? That means there's a wrong way to call on him. All right? There's a wrong way to call on him. Are you calling on him in truth or are you calling on him in your own desire and preference? Are you desperate for God? Prayer, listen to me, prayer is the essential, is so essential to your walk with Jesus. It is impossible for you to be in right fellowship with God, right, and, and not be in constant dependence on him through supplication. You need prayer. We say it this way. We don't work before we pray. Help me out. Prayer is the work, then God works. Uh, a lot of people say that. It's the truth. We think we need more better politicians. We think we need more better kings and queens. No, what we need is the creator, the, the, the creator who, who gives us joy, who gives us a true joy in supplication. So we address, we have to address this deep supplication now. Now let's address the deep study part. Look at what the psalmist says. He says this. 
in Psalms 119, deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your what? Word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of what? Your law. Could you imagine? Paul in chains. Do you think he could serve with branches again and bitten by a snake last week for no reason, for the sake of no reason? No. He did those things because his relationship with God was dependent on prayer and the study of his word. Paul was a highly theologian and scholar. Though he got it wrong in the beginning, when Christ saved him, when he came face to face to Christ, it wasn't about legality anymore. It was about God's sovereign grace. Meaning you get what you don't deserve, bro, and God withholds what you do deserve, God's mercy. But we come into church thinking that we deserve God. I chose God. I picked God today. You picked death. Every one of us in this room, we've picked death. That's why we sin. Well, nobody's perfect. I get that, but we can't keep using that tagline as a gimmick. God is holy. If you've met Jesus and the Jesus you've met did not chain you, you're probably, you didn't meet the right Jesus. The Jesus that you meet is the Jesus that is faithful to save you, redeem you. I know everybody in this room questioning their salvation. Good. Good. Why? Because we need to stop hearing from preachers that tickle our ears and make us feel better about ourselves, and we need to start listening from the Word when the Word says you are sinful and you need grace. That is found in Jesus. It's not popular, but we're not looking for popularity votes. We're looking for true, genuine, gospel-centered believers. If you are still caught up in what you've been caught up for years, I would question whether you have a relationship or fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And I say this not out of anger or to be decisive, divisive. I say this so that because I, I love you. Lord, I mean, when you discipline your children, you say that, right? If you don't say that, shame on you. You should do that. Discipline is healthy. And so we see a disciplined believer in Paul being totally dependent on God. Look at what Romans 7 says about Paul. Listen to me. The apostle that wrote 14 books in the New Testament, he says this, wretched man that I am. Stop right there. That should convict you right now. Understanding Paul's context. A man who loved the Lord, a man who advanced the gospel further than even Jesus in his humanity, all right? A man who did great things for the gospel's sake. He says this, wretched man that I am. He says this, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers it. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our what? Lord, so then... I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is what he's saying. He's saying this, the law is in my mind. You know what's connected with the mind? The heart. And so I'm going to preach boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ because I understand where everybody comes from. We are all wretched people. We are all sinners. And we need to tell people that there is a way, the only way, Jesus He's the one that frees us, and he does this as he addresses the law of sin. What is the law of sin? The law of sin is disobeying God's command. 
What is God's command? That you would have a love relationship with him. But because of sin in the garden, we don't have that love relationship anymore. But therefore, Jesus came so that we may have fellowship back in his name. Therefore, if you believe in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ today, you belong to him. I know, so easy to say, so hard to apply, right? Here's the deal. Don't think it, don't think it over too much, all right? Don't, don't, don't overthink it, as I tell our staff. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We need to be dependent on Jesus. So here at a church, we celebrate this through prayer. If you don't have it set up yet, every day at 8.08 in the morning and 8.08 in the evening, we pray. Wherever you are, we actually commit our members. When you become members of a church, we encourage you. One of the things we ask you to do is pray at 8.08 in the morning and in the evening. Now, we don't get it all the time, but that is a benchmark that identifies our desperate need for Jesus. Amen? Number two in our text, we see gospel community. I want you to see in our text, Paul and the crew arrived in places, and specifically they landed on the last place before Rome called Porta Ili. I've been to this location. It's in Naples, Italy. We are on Mount Elmo, and to the left of me, you can see Mount Vesuvius. All right, you guys remember Mount Vesuvius, Pompeii? All right, we're in run over Pompeii in AD, something place AD time. And then to my right down the road is the Bay of Porto Ili. Today they call it the Bay of St. Paul. All right, and so we're reading today about that same bay. He came to Naples, Italy, specifically Porto Italy, and it said here, it was an interesting twist. It said here that Paul was greeted by fellow believers. Now, this is, this is powerful as we look at our text. Paul has never been to Italy. The furthest he has been to is, uh, is Macedonia, Greece, beyond Asia Minor. He's never been this far, but there are Christians who are there at the Bay of Portoili. Can I get an amen that God is sovereign? What had happened, scholars believe, was that when Jesus was crucified, when he rose again, and in Acts 1, when he preached for 40 days on the kingdom of God, literally right after that, persecution came into Jerusalem. And so Christians were, were pushed out of their hometown, and they scattered around the globe. All right? How do you think Christianity got to Italy? Persecution. 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 How do you think Christianity got to America? Persecution in the Catholic Church of Europe. We see a consistent trend of how the gospel is being advanced. Let me tell you something. You know how the gospel is going to be advanced in America? Persecution. Persecution. We are too comfortable on how we live today. Me too. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. So what we see here is a tangible gospel community. We believe that in these verses that Paul saw these believers, and when he saw those believers, based on the verse, he thanked God, and then he said he took courage. I want you to see these words. I was studying, and this word is cool. This is the only time in all the scriptures, especially the New Testament, that we see the word courage in the Greek language. Every courage we see in all the Bible is the word in the Greek language, paragio, all right? It means to stay strong through a difficult or adverse situation. It's a small little period of adversity. But I want you to hear what this Greek word is from this standpoint. It's the word thoros, all right? And the word thoros is the only time we see it in all the scripture. It means to be brave during a long battle. All right, so you got karagio, right, which is a short-term suffering. They were encouraged there. But then you got thoros, which is a courage that goes on in a long battle. Here's what Paul is saying, okay? Paul is saying this. This gospel I'm a part of is not a dance. 
It's a fight. It's a battle. Some of us treat sin like it's a small little petty thing, but sin is the battle, man. The sin in this church, the sin outside of the church is the issue. Therefore, Paul said to all these Christians, he said, man, I'm, I'm encouraged, man. I'm encouraged. Why was he encouraged? Because God did something he did not know. Though he trusted in the sovereignty of God and that God was completely in control, God did something Paul didn't see happen. But since Paul seen that there was other believers coming alongside of him that advanced the gospel all the way to Italy, that inspired him in the battle. Could you imagine, right, hearing about stories of war and you have a POW stranded by himself? And he only got him and a knife, right? And then you hear his platoon coming forward. And all his platoon is coming to get him and all that. Could you imagine the encouragement and the excitement that that end of that POW got when he saw his crew? Could you imagine? Could you imagine when we go up to Japan? And we was there for two different times this summer already. And then the Japanese Japanese preachers there, the number one issue is their poverty. They're not getting paid by the church or anything, so they got to work three, four jobs. They eventually quit because they just can't keep up with the discouragement. Could you imagine what happens when we send teams up there to encourage them? They would be like, man, I didn't know people like you exist. I mean, today, the last trip I came on, I got six new friends on Facebook who are all pastors in Japan because they were, they were, uh, they were thoros. They were encouraged in the battle. Today, do you identify that you're in the battle? And number two, Are you encouraged in the battle? Are you encouraged in the battle? Because that's what the gospel does. The gospel creates gospel community so that we can be encouraged in the battle. Look at what this biblical truth is. Though gospel community is personal, it's never private. Say it with me out loud. One, two, three. Though gospel community is personal, it's never private. This is what I'm saying. A true gospel-centered church doesn't just have a heart for the city they live in, but have a heart for the nations of the earth. Gospel community is not just here in Ohana Church. Gospel community is all around the world. Therefore, every gospel-centered church must think globally and not just inwardly. Here's the deal. I would say that as for believers too. You cannot just say that you got a good relation with God and it's just clicky. Even in this church, you better be very careful. This is why when we do Ohana group, it's diverse. We don't always put family with family and all that. We mix them up because the gospel, though it's personal, it's not private. And I would encourage you, if all you're doing is investing in the clique in this church, you're missing out on the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You're missing out on the believers of Potoili, the believers of Malta, the believers of all these places that, that Acts 28 stands for. Your gospel, our gospel, must be a global view, understanding, and not just a local view. And I would deny the American gospel. Where it talks about living your best life now, all right? Your best life now is surrender to the Lord Jesus. Not going up a status quo of how much education or all that. Your best life now is in Christ alone. He has the best life. Number three, we see gospel living. Verses 18 to 28, look at what happens when Paul arrives in Rome. He gets right to the point of gospel living. He calls the Jewish people there. He tells the Jewish people about the issue that's going on in Jerusalem. And then the Jewish people agrees with him that no Pilakia came to Rome about you. But what they do agree is there is one thing that we have issue with that's spreading. This is the good part, the gospel. 
It says in the words, listen, it says in the words that there is a sect of belief. That sect of belief he's talking about is the gospel. He said, we have an issue with that because Jews aren't bad. They're just misinformed, right? America is not completely bad. They're just misinformed. They're misinformed by all the televangelists that said, if you would buy my cloth for 99 cents, God's going to triple and quadruple that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Nobody wants your sweat, brother. That's a reality, all right? And so the, what I want to share with you is that as we look forward into the gospel, Acts 28, 25, 28, Paul clarifies this from a Jewish perspective. Because they were Jews, because they believed in a messianic prophecy, they did not believe in Jesus as being that. Paul made it clear and connected the dots. And this is where we come as Ohana Church. When it comes to gospel living, we got to connect the dots for people. we got to clarify that. So Paul says this in verses 25 to 28. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. And he quotes Isaiah 6. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to the Father through Isaiah, the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never what? Understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive, right? For the people's heart has grown what? Dull. And with, and with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I will heal them. Check out verse 28. I loved it. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will what? Listen. You know who the Gentiles are? You. You. Us. God was writing for us 700 years before Jesus became a man. 700 years before Jesus came on earth. God was writing to the Hawaiian people, to the Polynesian people, to the people of the Pacific Rim, to Asia. There's all kinds of demographics here. Here's the reality. Why? Because God's kingdom is a global view with the gospel. Those of you, those of you Hawaiians like me who struggle with Hawaiis, that is not the gospel. Hawaiis who struggle with Hawaiians, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not segregating the peoples of the earth. The gospel is uniting the peoples of the earth in Christ alone. That's the gospel living. That's what it means to live in the gospel. I love a lot, but I want to be very clear. We must understand the difference between gospel implications and the clear gospel. I want you to see what my friend Matt Dirk says about gospel implications. He says that gospel implications may be the focus of a partnership, but they cannot be the foundation. When a single implication of the gospel is all that's holding us together rather than the gospel itself, the ministry will fall apart as soon as the money runs out or differences arise. Can we get a witness, right? As they always do. Kingdom partnership must be built on the gospel alone. This means that there should be a direct line between the aims of the partnership and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. What is it saying? Let me say it. All right? We can be a part of a football team and it just be gospel implication. We can feed, feed the homeless and it just be gospel implication. We can build shelters and spend grands and grands of money like we just did. Our church partner with other churches and build these shelters down Kaloli Drive, right? We can be a part of all of that. We can be part of the Puna evacuees and all that and still be gospel implications and not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. If all we're doing is random acts of kindness 
and not preaching the verbal, articulated, explicit word of God, we are sending people to hell because of the unclear gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's the truth. I promise you. I see it on Facebook Live. All these churches, they limit the gospel to what? God loves you. God has a better life for you. But who do they have a better life in? Christ. Christ. But we have to address, there's an issue. And Paul was so faithful to say, they will not hear, they will not perceive, they will not understand. Why? Because they are dull. You are sinful. That's why I preach so hard every Sunday. Because I want you to know that your sin separates you from a holy God. My sin separates me from a holy God. Your heart must be cut literally before you can experience life change. Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin separates you. And you need God's gospel to advance you by cutting off that sin nature. That is done, the proclamation of the word. That is done through preaching the word of God. That's why our partnerships look different. Moving forward, we won't have same partners with the same churches and same organizations because there's something that we've gone too long there. They're not letting us be bold of our faith. Now, I'm not saying we can be mean and we be all this stuff, but I'm saying there has to be a point where we can articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be like Paul. We should be getting in trouble because we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what better yet, we have freedom of speech in this nation. Rome didn't have that. You did what Caesar said. But I get it. There's been so much churches out there that have done it the wrong way. Can I get a witness, right? God hates this. God hates that. Then what is God for, man? But if it's just hate, I need something else. What is he for? Life. Abundantly. In Christ alone. Our last one and then we'll be found. What we see in our text is gospel giving. This is a, our last core value. We believe this. Look at it. One can give without loving. But hear me out. One cannot love, say it with me, without giving. And what I want this to be, I want you to reflect on our text today. In verse 30, well, Paul is in chain. Well, they let him stay in his own imprisonment in his own headquarters. Verses 30 and 31 says this. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And Paul welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the what? Kingdom of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I want you to see three things in these last two verses. I know it's not on the screen, but wherever your Bible is, listen to this. Number one, Paul's a prisoner. That's his situation. Number two, as a prisoner, Paul is living generous. Right? He's advancing the gospel with his own resources. And number three, as a prisoner, while living generously, he preached the kingdom of God. What are you doing with your resources today? Have you noticed we didn't take the Lord's offering or generosity this, this morning yet? Because I want us to stop going through the motions of giving to God. And this is not one of those messages where I say give 
more to God. And uh, this is one of these messages. Why are you giving to God? And so in the seats in front of you, you have envelopes. If you don't have envelope, you can raise your hand and our ushers will give you more envelope. But all understand we got envelope. This is what I want you to do. I want you to give with understanding the gospel has to advance. Some of us are in chains like Paul. Different kind of chains. It may be chains of guilt, chains of some kind of sin that's separating you from either relationship with God or fellowship with God. Your first step is to live generously. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? It's an intentional giving. It's a sacrificial kind of giving. It's an unconditional giving, right? I want you to give with the mindset, man, God, you blessed me. You blessed me. Even if you're in the position of the woman with the two pennies, you blessed me. And I want us to stop going through the formality of giving, but I want to, we want to give with our heart. Not an understanding of compulsion, but we really want to give our heart. So I'm going to have our ushers to come on down right now. And I'm going to ask them just to stay there. And this is how I want you to respond. Number one, I want you to respond by worshiping with us first. Then once we're done worshiping and our heart is all clear, I'll let the ushers move forward, okay? I want the ushers to stand up there as a recognition, man. They are a picture of what we're giving to God. Listen to me, we stayed in the church. We don't give to a church, we give what? Through a church. So that the cities of the earth may know him. I mean, guys, four years, and God has sovereignly, graciously allowed us to plant nine churches around the world. Why? Because generosity. Because of generosity. Would you stand with me?